Hi, this is Hannah and welcome to the Grounded Life podcast. Today I am speaking with another Hannah, Hannah Kandaru, and we're going to be having a conversation about embodied anti-racism and her work within this topic. Hannah is an Indonesian British breathworker and embodied facilitator and is currently residing at the mouth of the river Gambi in West Africa where we speak to her today. Hi Hannah, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Mm, thank you for joining me. Um, before we kick off this conversation, what would you like us to know about yourself? What introduction would you like to, to bring forth? Thank you for giving me the space to define myself. I think this is um, a really important part of this work uh, because we are often defined by things external of us. External of us. Um, so yes, my name is Hannah Kendaru. Um, I go by she, her pronouns and um, I am from Indonesia. My dad is Indonesian and my mum is white English. And yes, I'm calling in from West Africa, from Gambia. Um, I think part of the introduction that I want to include in this is that many times um, along my journey of healing and healing also is quite an interesting concept but um i think part of part of the definition that is key in where i am right now is understanding my social uh, conditioning understanding who i am in context and in relation to so um yeah this is what i'm honoring as as i'm standing here is that i'm not here alone but I am here as part of a history um, and I'm here part of our collective history um, and that's something that I hold with deep remembrance and um, with honour. Thank you and again welcome um, to this to this podcasting space, uh, this virtual space. This is, um, as this is our first conversation on this particular platform, I know we've spoken before, but, but as this is our sort of first here, it feels right to maybe find out a bit more about um, what embodied anti-racism is and what is the difference between the embodied anti-racism work and say the, the non-embodied anti-racism work. Would you like to um, speak into that a bit? Yeah, okay, so um, anti-racism as a term um, became popularized last year. Um, and this was kind of within the understanding of the culture that we have created uh, around racism, right? We kind of created this dichotomy of you are either racist or not racist. Um, and there was a little bit of an understanding that it's not enough to just be not racist. Um, because this was, um, there are ways in which we are complicit. Um, and so anti-racism was kind of a movement towards an active um, learning, an active education, an active unlearning of various different um, conditionings and of our social construct that we have um, an understanding of that. 
One of the things that I have found um, within my path of doing this work, and I've been doing this work for so many years, is that we are inherently attracted to intellectual conversations about learning things through the mind, um, about history and kind of trying to get our heads around things. Um, and that is how we make sense. That's how we make meaning out of things. Um, and as an embodied facilitator, as a breath worker, I know that there's so much wisdom in the body. Um, and that wisdom needs to be integrated and we need to listen to that. So without knocking other forms of anti-racism, without knocking the, the need for education, um, embodied anti-racism is, is potentially the next step um, of, okay, what do I do with that knowledge? How, do I, how does that knowledge sit in my body? Um, how does it contradict some of the ways in which I hold myself? And so embodied anti-racism is really noticing what is being held in the body around race um, that is moving away from the dichotomies that we have created, the binaries of racist or not racist or good or a bad person. Um, and just going into the kind of the nuances of it and having a little bit more of a personal approach to it because we are all affected by the culture that we inhabit. Um, so it's an invitation for softness and it's an invitation for inquiry um, that's, yeah, bringing it down into the body and tapping into the, to our body's wisdom. Mm, thank you for that, for that explanation. And, and, and when you were speaking, I was, had a moment of, um, how do you actually explain embodiment through the terms for people that haven't done embodiment work before and, and, and are very much used to receiving the information through the intellect. So even saying the word embodiment might not be received in or, or they, there might need to be an intellectual understanding of, of what embodiment actually is. And I don't know if there's a, any more that you want to say on that. Yeah, no, I think that what I would respond to that is. Um, I think that the, the constructs that we have created around our body wisdom is through kind of gut instinct, right, or intuition or just doesn't feel right or um and this that's your body communicating to you um or maybe you know when you have that hunch of like I know that there's something but you don't know where that knowledge has has come from um but our bodies are communicating to us in all the time and so even when there is any point of like um, of contraction or you don't feel like doing something or moving away or um, yeah your body's in conversation with you and so embodiment is a practice of noticing that um, and we probably already do it in so many ways um, we just haven't necessarily practiced or verbalized um, any of those things so it's really not like a practice that is inaccessible everybody's doing it it's just now okay 
how do we actually tap into it? How do we listen to it and practice? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in that practice of listening to the body, one becomes through my experience of, of the work and breath work as well, because it's deeply interlinked with the embodiment is you get less attached with what the mind might say is the reason for the feeling because they don't always link up do they (laughs) no (laughs) they're often in contradiction um and we're also yeah the constructs that we've created within our minds are also deeply conditioned by the society that we live in so There may be feelings or emotions that are kind of socially unacceptable that makes it really hard to deal with um, those feelings and those sensations. So, yeah, it's really about kind of decentering function and decentering productivity and really just about what is here and what is what is it telling us? Yeah, slowing everything down. And even as we just started this podcast and you're getting that first intro right and Hannah was like, just slow it down, take your time. And and, and it's true, um, the remembering to slow down. Um, okay, so with the, having said that, I do want to dive into the next question, which is throwing in an, another term. Um, and especially as we're introducing this subject here on on the Grounded Life podcast, and the term is racialized trauma. As breath workers, we might be familiar with the word uh, trauma and the vast and interconnected subject of trauma. But how would you define or unpack the term of racialized trauma so we can open it up and bring it into context here? Mm, okay, so. Um... This is a deep, uh, a deep topic, and so I'm. I hope I give a little bit of justice to the work, um, but it does take time to to really unpack everything. But what I would start with is that um, we're in a deeply um, racialized society, and what that means is that it is kind of the most basic way that we as a, as a society categorize people in. And there are various other ways, um, but it is kind of the most um, prolific and the most dominant form that that is uh, in practice. Um, and a lot of our kind of identities or uh, feeling of belonging is also associated with race. Um, and so this is something that, this is a basic assumption that that is true, right? Um, even though, interestingly, there might be parts of you that resist this. Um, and this is also kind of racial, racialization in action, right? Um, of just that sense of, um, I don't know if that's true or not, right? Um, and so it's just, and maybe listening to that as well to notice uh, what's happening in your body as you hear these words. That's also noticing um, how racialization is is working. Um, so I think the the best way to describe this uh, for those of us who have experienced trauma in a very extreme 
sense or in a personal experience, we kind of know the effects that it have that it has on our personality. Um, we know how it manifests. It might be in fear or it might be in flashbacks or it might be in images or um, kind of confusion around what is going on within our body. And when we talk about trauma, we are talking mostly in a very personal sense, right? We're talking about what has happened to my life, right? What has happened to me in my life? But it's important for us to remember that we live in, in an environment. We live in a culture and we live in a toxic environment. We live in a culture that predicates who gets to be healthy and who doesn't. And we are all impacted um, in different ways because of that. And so this is just something that is our basic. There is no neutral. And so for, for this understanding of this, of racialized trauma, we need to understand that actually the thing that's affecting us is not the shark in the water, but it's the water itself. And so it's really, it can be really invisible. It can be really hard to grasp. Um, but this is, this is kind of where we are. Um, and because we haven't necessarily, necessarily created a cultural framework around racialized trauma, um, and actually many trauma trainings um, don't include this at all. Um, and this is also part of, it's symptomatic of this, of this culture. Um, so it feels really new and it feels really um, hard to understand, but it is just because we haven't created a culture around it. And so this is kind of what embodied anti-racism is, what learning about racialized trauma is, because we're trying to create a counterculture for it. We're trying to create a space where we can speak the unspeakable and we can make visible the invisible. Um, one of the concepts that I would like to potentially bring in here is the idea that there are various other forms of trauma that our that are not personal, right? And this is historical trauma. So the history of your peoples, the history of your family, the history of your culture. It could be intergenerational. So things that have happened specifically to the women in your family or specifically to the men in your family or what has, what your grandparents went through um, if they experienced something very harsh or traumatic in their life, if they were in the war, how does that show up in us, right? Um, it may be persistent institutional. So if you are consistently as a person affected by the institutions that you engage with, so in your education system, if you're 
or in the healthcare system. And so these are multiple forms in which um, your feeling of belonging or safety or even dignity can be questioned. And so racialized trauma is an acknowledgement of the culture that we're in. It's an acknowledgement of our history um, and a step towards understanding the forms of oppression that we have uh, within our society and, and listening to them. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think in terms of like a one sentence answer or like a little short introduction that kind of answers, but maybe you have some questions that can help me kind of unpack that a little bit more. It, it was actually such an informative answer that was communicated so well. I, I actually, um, normally questions come up when you're speaking, but you know, they, they didn't for that. It really was done in a way that was really accessible actually um thank you for that explanation and it was also done without giving a history lesson as well interestingly and that is something um that i feel that it's important to mention and i know that we have spoken about before is though you're explaining these terms and we're going to be talking about more you know more of your work and and, and within that comes a, a um a giving of information so people can understand new things that they might not um have the information about and they want to know more but there is an edge and I, I, I've learned this over the last um, couple of months, like this edge to be, again, bringing the invisible visible, bringing the unconscious conscious of, um, especially for myself, uh, a white body person in having the responsibility for me to go and seek out resources, for me to bring myself up to the point of current affairs. Um, and it's that it's not the job of a person of the global majority to school um, anybody about the history that is, is accessibly there in many, many forms. So I really, the way that you explained what racialized trauma was, was um, actually from a really current perspective, while with its um, intertwining fabric of time as well. So yeah, thank you for that. And just, was there anything that you wanted to speak about? this schooling <laughs> and not having to school. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, this is a really valid, um, valid point. And it's often um, something that I also need to resist um, because it, I have been conditioned to do it, right? So part of racialization in our society is that People of the global majority know about racism and people who have white bodies don't know about it. Right? So then there, there seems to be 
Um, and this is just one example of how racialization has occurred. And so this idea of not understanding or that it's a hard thing to get our heads around um, is racialization in action. And we can react to that um, by performing forms of education, or we can react to that from an empowered space um, and taking agency. So one of the things that, yeah, that you said here is like, actually, I am not a history teacher. Um, and the ways in which people may ask for validation um, or for proof or evidence, because we are an evidence-based society and we want to have all of the information and data. Um, we want to verify we're not very good with or okay with listening to somebody's experience and taking it as it is. Um, so I often now have to resist this urge to say, oh, well, have you heard about <laughs> slavery or have you heard about our culture's history and um, have you heard about colonialism? And it's really not um, my space to speak about that, actually. Um, there's a ton of resources, like you said, and we're in this space, predominantly, we are all, um, we all have responsibility to re-educate ourselves um, and we have the access to do that. So yeah, this is a really important point to actually have an empowered um, invitation that there's a, there's a lot of um, information out there that we haven't been taught um, or have or we have been taught through the lens of um, the white dominant society so we need to yeah act against that and create a counterculture mm, and and I'll put in the description of this podcast um, some some great references to go and seek um, that kind of information. So in, in your work, if someone comes to a workshop about this topic, you know, what can they expect and who, who is welcome? Mm, thank you. Yeah, so the work that, that we do, it's really um, trying to get much more intimate with the processes that are happening within our bodies. And so oftentimes when we work um, with race or maybe maybe there even has not been a time when we when you've worked with race, right? Um, or racism. And so starting right from the beginning, it's about noticing what happens in the body when race is mentioned, right? What happens in the body when we start talking about um, our culture's history? What happens? And so actually the workshops are um, predicated around in inquiry, around um, slowing everything down, around noticing. Um, and one of the important things that, um, that has kind of evolved over this time of, of running these workshops and opening these spaces is that it is so deeply rooted in 
love and it's so deeply rooted in acceptance and we need that open inquiry for us to be able to unpack some of these things because race and racism has been ingrained in us as a survival um as a survival strategy right and i'm not here to tell you that those aren't like that those are bad right it's it's just more about noticing what is what is that um and so really moving away from any sort of judgment any sort of um labeling or categorization it's really about what information is here what is the unconscious narrative that i am running on um and and getting a little bit deeper into that um when we work with trauma um for anyone who is also working with um people who are in traumatized bodies we often conflate what is uncomfortable with what is dangerous and and then therefore the flip side of what is comfortable as safe right so it's really about learning how to be um present with the discomfort and noticing what is there um because we have been shielded shielded um so much from having conversations around race right and we often ignore it or avoid it or it's not part of um part of the discourse in any way and it's also been kind of demonized into a space of if we mention it it becomes divisive um so we've kind of put it as a societal thing we've put it into a category of like taboo we just don't talk about it it's not something that we do because we don't want to offend we don't want to um appear as a bad person or as a racist and so this space is really about kind of leaning towards that a little bit and noticing what is here and be and inquiring because many of our constructs of life are th- around white body supremacy um whether we know it or not um whether we notice it or not and so it's a full acknowledgement of our collective histories um our part in it how we have been conditioned um and and noticing what happens and what we're carrying in our body um and then i think what is really important to um what is really important to state here is also the amount of healing that comes throughout it right there's a our souls are craving this work our bodies are craving this work um and actually there are so many attributes of white um dominant society that are so damaging that we just don't know about and have kind of pathologized into kind of having anxiety or ADHD or depression or all of these things that are actually symptomatic of a culture that wants you to be disembodied right a culture that wants you to be kind of functional and productive um and so it's really kind of unpacking 
the source, right, and the the root um, in that way. Um, for me personally, not only has it kind of helped with a lot of my mental health, but it's also helped so much with my spiritual health of kind of tapping back into and remembering my intergenerational wisdom and um, and also kind of a connection with the land and um, getting back into nature and my, my native practices and um, and my ancestry. So it kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful, um, like door to open, um, if you're ready for it. And so, yeah, the invitation here is, is a really, a, it's a soft invitation to an ongoing path for personal liberation, which ends up being collective liberation. Mm. Thank you. And I'll I'll put a link in the description as well so people can directly find your website and inquire more into the workshops that you hold. And we're coming to the end of, of this conversation. I hope that we will have many more here. And thank you again so much for your time and, yeah, your grace and your groundedness and... and um, and thank you again. I wanted to say a quick quote from, from Resma um, about trauma to close with and then just to pass over to you to, to end in a way that feels good for you. Um, so he says one of his many, many quotes, this one I've chosen today, trauma decontextualized in a person can look like a personality. Trauma decontextualized in a family becomes family traits and trauma decontextualized in people becomes culture. Yeah. Yeah. And so the invitation for embodied anti-racism is to find ourselves in context, to find our context. Um, yeah, I think maybe a closing message in this is we're not alone in this, you know, it is not... Um, the invitation isn't to go into a space by yourself and figure this out and think about it and ruminate alone. It is to do this in community, to do this with people, because it's a lot. We need to honor the charge of this trauma. We need to honor the weight of our history um, and to remember it and to unlearn our conditioning um, and then reclaim it. So this is this is our path. So that's the invitation. If you, if it's something that you're curious about and want to dive a little bit deeper, then yeah, connect. Um, connect with me. Connect with us. Um, and yeah, we'll see you see you on the road, as it as it were. Thank you, Hannah, so much. It was such a pleasure to speak with you.
have a have a lovely rest of your day thank you you too